Today on the show, we're talking about in your emotional brain. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host Trevor. And today for episode 154, we're talking about how our emotional brain is in control. Yeah, so we talk on the podcast all the time that personal finance is 90% behavior, 10% math. And so I, I'm in the past, I might have said 80% behavior, 20% math. It turns out, I think it's a spectrum. And I think p- different people are, are on this this spectrum at a different place. So for somebody like a minimalist, I, I think there might be more math involved, a little less behavior. But someone who's an extreme consumerist, it, it might be... 95% behavior and, and just 5% math, you know, the, in terms of solving their personal finance problems. So, uh, so I recently read a book by Mark Manson. And I've actually, this is the second book I've read of his. The first one was called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And this is a clean podcast, so I'm not going to say the word, but you can imagine what it is. And that book is really about figuring out what to give an F about. And in it's important to find something in in the book, he talks about, um, so, so this podcast is really about his second book, but I just want to describe his first book. So he talks about how it's it's important to, like, everybody wants to say, you know, work in your passion. I'm sure, Courtney, you've thought about, you know, your passion would be a great place to work, right? Oh, yeah. But it turns out people think working in your passion is rainbows and unicorns all day long. And, and it, it really isn't. You know you're working in your passion when when it gets hard, you don't quit. You want to you want to power through. That's when you know it's your passion. So it's solving problems that you really love solving, but the problems don't shut you down or, or push you away. See, I think that is something we can all get behind. We we can all relate to that because I know I personally have have this yearning inside of me to find my passion and do my passion. So I I really like that approach. So, so the Mark Manson's second book that I've just read, and I guess we should add it to our reading list. It's called "Everything Is Effed." Again, I'll let you fill in that word. This is a clean <laughs> podcast. A book about hope. And so, this book was it, it, it. So, I really loved his first book. Second book was, you know, at another level as far as I'm concerned. So, the the kind of the, the, the I'm going to kind of summarize the book. So, it's he kind of suggests the everyone's chasing happiness. Everybody wants happiness. You hear that all the time, right? It's this, you know, pursuit of happiness. And it turns out chasing happiness, it paradoxically would suggest you're in a place of not happy, right? So if you're always chasing happiness, it actually is, you should be sad because you're not in a happy place. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, I'm just, I'm just processing. That's so interesting. So he's saying you should always be sort of pursuing discomfort, which we know is where growth comes from, because it would suggest you're in a you're in a good place, and you but you're striving for something a little out of reach, something a little out of grasp, and, and that should be super like that would suggest you're in a you're in a really happy place, a comfortable place, and you're you're trying to move to an uncomfortable place, which hopefully for the purpose of growth. That's so just just hearing that it, it's so counterintuitive to to what me might gravitate towards. And so he's saying if you are, you know, chasing something, an opportunity of growth, but you know it'll be uncomfortable. What that represents to you is hope, and that's why it's the book of hope, right? That's why he calls it that. And he's saying for hope to be present, you need three things, and this is the part I really love, and it is you need a cause you believe in, you need a community to support you, and you need control, personal control. And it's not like you can have two out of three. You need all three to be present. And I'm going to just paint you a little picture. Imagine anyone listening to this podcast, if you live in the corporate world, that's where you work. Well, I highly doubt you believe in the cause. (laughs) Just to guess, I'm in the corporate world and I can't really get behind the cause every day. Okay, sometimes I can, but most of the time I can't. But the cause is is miserable. And the community, anyone who's lived in the corporate sort of environment, it's very cutthroat. Your coworkers aren't always, you know, 
so I happen to work in a unique thing where my coworkers, we were a very close knit team and we work together, but I know within the building I'm in corporate America, there is uh, cutthroat people. You're the guy sitting beside you wants you to fail more than anything. So, so he, two things, he, that person will look better if you fail and they may get your job if, if it's a promotion, if you fail. So wow. it's, yeah, so it, so no community at all, right? No community. And control, well, if you're in the corporate world, uh, you you've, you don't have any control. You're told when to be there, how long to be there, what to do. Like You have very little control over your life, right? You, you, you get five days a week, someone is telling you where to be and when to be there. So it, it, there isn't a whole lot of hope in Mark Manson's definition. And I, tr- I truly believe those three things really represent hope. That, that that's powerful how that kind of uh, just framework that you it can really apply to multiple aspects of our life and it turns out that that whole thing i just gave you is a tangent <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is so in his book he goes on to say that we operate with two brains we have the logical brain and the emotional brain and he makes a very strong case that your emotional brain is in charge Ooh, I can get behind that completely and entirely simply because of the percentage that you threw out at the beginning of this episode and one that we talk about all the time here. And I, you know, when we talk personal finance, 90% behavior, 10% math, I can't find anybody who disagrees with that equation. Oh, it's, it's, it is simply at the base and, and root of, of all our financial decisions. And I love, I love this kind of breakup between the two brains because it is true we, we do really operate with with both and what we're going to kind of dive into during this episode is what happens and how it happens when our emotional brain really takes control of our decision making well and, and you so mark manson goes on to say that you're when you say it takes control he he thinks he believes this he gives the analogy of, of your your drive your brain you're driving your brain is driving a car and your emotional brain is deciding how fast the car is going to go, where it's going to go. And your logical brain is just there to provide sound reasoning for your emotional brain's decisions. So the, your logical brain is just there to, so, so you, you know, if you have to answer a question, why did you do this? It's your logical brain that's going to answer, right? Wow. So, 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 so let me just make sure I'm getting that right. So we... In general, is that a correct scenario then? Do we always want, is it correctly correct for our emotional, drained, emotional brain to be driving the car or is, is the, those roles reversed in how it should actually be versus what it actually is? So think of all the self-help, book, self-help books in the world. So if, if losing weight was a just purely a knowledge gap, right? It was just a lack of knowledge, then there's enough weight loss books in the library, the bookstore, I don't care where you go, there's enough weight loss information to solve the weight loss problem. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. And and the same for kind of any self-help space. Yeah, so so if your emotional brain is not on board, it's not going to happen. All the knowledge in the world without the emotional brain buying in you're not going to solve any self-help problems. But but let all. me spin that the other way. We all know, maybe we've even heard that if we live life with emotion, that that's not always the most beneficial thing either, that, that our heart or our emotion or our feelings can sometimes lead us down irrational paths. And again, we'll get into talking of this all during the rest of the show, but I, and I get on the, what you're saying as well, that our logical brain has to be kind of, is somewhere in there as well to, to kind of provide in itself a logic to to the thing. But how how is that correct then that the emotion should be driving the car, should be in charge? Well, I don't I don't think it's something you can turn off. Your emotional brain is in charge. You you can't change that. The, the where it falls apart is we often evaluate our emotional decisions after the fact, like you know tomorrow or a year from now with logic. So the emotion that drove us to make a decision is long gone, right? It's moved on. And we're looking back saying, 
this $65,000 truck made a lot of sense last year, but now I'm, I'm assessing that, that decision to buy this $65,000 truck a year later with just pure logic, right? And I'm saying, gee, these $1,200 <laughs> truck payments, <laughs> they, they really hurt. You know, what, what was I thinking when I bought this truck? So that logical evaluation, when the emotion's not present, it, it, that's when we, we start to feel bad about the decision we made. But I'm saying you can't, and so Mark Manson's saying, and I, I agree with him, you can't, it's not something you can turn off or fix, you just have to be aware of it. So we just are. And and that's that's a really it's it's a really powerful kind of approach thought and and to 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 that. And that we I think we always shun ourselves for thinking emotionally. There's that kind of that saying in the more the relationship side of the realm that we we lead with our heart or even in friendships we lead with our heart, but in a sense is what you're saying that that will naturally happen so just embrace it. It, absolutely. And we are emotional creatures. You, you can't turn that off. There, there is no, if you think of any novel you've ever read, it's the character in the novel. If Stephen King said this in the okay, Stephen King novels terrify me, <laughs> but for some reason, I always find myself reading one. But he, he said this in an interview. He said, if you create a compelling character with lots of emotion the reader will follow that character through any story. They, they ha- first, they have to believe in the character and connect with the character emotionally. And then once you've got that connection built, then it doesn't matter what the story's about. The reader will follow it wherever. Wow, that's it is true. If if we think back to any TV show, any movie that we've ever watched, we will stay with that character, that series, simply because we have fallen in love with the characters. So Trevor, I want to dive into the three lists we have assembled for this episode. We're going to talk about how you know you're making an emotional financial decision with bad logic. We're going to then talk about 10 tips to help you take control of your emotions. And finally, we're going to conclude by talking about strategies for managing your emotional brain for personal finance. So as we get into the first section, how to know you're making an emotional financial decision with bad logic. I, I just want to reiterate that that it's not good or bad that we're making decisions with emotion. It's just the fact that we are. Is that, is that correct? Like that we should, right now we shouldn't be thinking to ourselves, oh, Trevor, how, how can I turn off that emotional side, but simply acknowledge that it's there and it is driving the car always. Well, I think it is driving the car, but you still have to control it and manage it or you'll, you'll just, you know, make decisions till you're, you're broke. But the thing is, it, uh, you'll, you'll make an emotional decision. Your logical brain will try to support it, but quite often it's flawed. The, the, the logic is flawed and that's when you have to stop and say, wait, my emotions are getting the best of me here. I'm making a bad decision. You know, again, you your behavior from a personal finance standpoint is out of control you 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 do need logic but you have to listen to the logic and if the logic doesn't make sense then you need to reevaluate your emotional decision and maybe pause or or something or or, or get other input from somebody else who who's not emotionally involved in your decision so let's start with number 1 and this will really i think this is the big one i think when it comes to uh, making dis- emotional financial decisions with bad logic. And number one is justification mode. And so this is where somebody will, they really want a new kitchen in their house. I mean, they, they, they just, they just want shiny. <laughs> they, <laughs> I, have to I need have a it. new kitchen and they try to justify it as an investment. They say it's an investment in my house. How can this be a bad decision? I'm investing in real estate. I'm getting a $40,000 kitchen. This can't be a bad idea. I'm spending it on my house. It's that, that's always a good idea. Well, you know, it turns out it's not. So a, a $40,000 kitchen, it's not an investment. Investments go up in value. So if you get a $40,000 kitchen installed in your house, very best case scenario, you sell your house for $40,000 more, you get, and then you get your money back. You, you've gained nothing. You part it with $40,000 to get the new kitchen. You sell your house for $40,000 more in your dreams. <laughs> and... And zero sum, you've gained nothing. How is that an investment? It's not. It's not an investment. And 
That's assuming you're going to sell your house right after the kitchen's installed. If you use that kitchen for another five years, you've used up part of that kitchen. You've used up those appliances. Those cabinets have maybe going to start to show some wear. So all of a sudden, your $40,000 kitchen is not new anymore. So just, again, assuming you could get what what it cost you to install your kitchen when you sold your house, which you typically can't. Just say you got an extra $30,000 for your house. So you had... $10,000 of lifestyle expense and you got your $30,000 back from your kitchen, you've still gained nothing financially. That is not an investment. And so obviously this is a sore spot with me. (laughs) So you just, uh, people will buy a new car and they'll say, well, I'm going to get the extended warranty. I'm going to get the uh, upgraded model because it's an investment. You know, I'm buying this car. I'm going to have it for 10 years. I'm going to invest some money to it. Well, a car is never an investment. It's pure expense. It goes down in value. Again, investments go up. They, 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 they build wealth by their nature. So if you're in justification mode and you use the word, it's an investment, unless you're buying an index fund <laughs> or, or, or real estate, you're not investing. These are not investments. If actually, if you're getting an education, that's an investment. It's going to, you're going to go up in value. There's very few things that are true investments that we spend money on. So if you are in justification mode and you utter the words investment, your emotions are getting the best of you and your logic is flawed. So justification mode, I'm sure, is a very, very, very easy place to slip into, especially when I'm picturing, so right now my brain, when I'm picturing this car, emotion driving a car, I'm picturing kind of a monkey in the front seat, just like going a little bit, a little bit bananas in the front seat. And then there's a person sitting beside the monkey, just kind of hand in his head. That's just the the picture that's coming to my head. So um I'm picturing this monkey just just doing something very rational. What does it look like? What are some other than saying it's an investment? Are there any other ways that we can realize that when we utter it to ourselves or other to other people that the red flag should be going off? And and has this happened to you, Trevor? Has anything have you has anything kind of happened in your life that you quickly realized you had turned um, into justification mode? Um, not a lot. It's, it's not something I really. Yeah, I, I don't try to justify a whole lot of things, but here's one, another one. So it's, 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 I, I, I knew a family that did this. They bought an Airstream, uh, travel trailer. So yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with an Airstream. Those are those shiny aluminum looking things. Yes. Oh yeah. Spaceship. Oh yeah. They're, they're out. They're beautiful trailers. I'm not disputing that. They're outrageously expensive. And I know a family that bought one. And they said it was for the kids. Ooh, I love and, that. And, and so in justification mode, you you might justify you're doing something for somebody other than yourself, right? You're going to, I'll get a side benefit. I get to sleep in an Airstream trailer, you know, but, <laughs> but, but it's for the kids for the most part. And I, I think your kids would have been quite happy in a tent trailer, you know, based on the age. And they had no idea. These kids were young enough. They didn't know they were sleeping in an Airstream or a tent trailer, right? It, it mattered nothing to them. The parents just wanted the Airstream. I, I don't know why, because it's an Airstream or it's comfortable or, but it, it, they're outrageously expensive. But the justification was it's for the kids. So, and, and I, I'm not saying you shouldn't do things for your kids, but make sure it's, it, it you know, you're again, if the logic is flawed, you emotionally you wanted an Airstream trailer and you couldn't reason it out unless you said it was for the kids, you know, that, that helped you, you know, finish off that decision. That, that's another example of a justification. Mode. That's so sneaky. This is the one I think that you have to be most careful of because again, it, you can, I think, really get lost and carried away in your, with your logical brain. Actually, here's the craziest one. I, <laughs> I, I worked, uh, I knew a lady who bought a, um, a, Bowflex treadmill sort of elliptical machine. It was some Sounds crazy contraption. And it, it was like, I, I'm not aware of a lie. I, I think it was like $3,900. Like it was, oh, maybe, maybe it's 2,900. It was a lot of money. And I remember her saying uh, her kids would use it as well. Oh. You know, and her kids were like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old they were never getting on this machine. I mean, and, but I remember her seeing that and I knew 
you know, clearly you're in justification mode. You, you, your, your emotional brain, you know, needs this machine for weight loss or whatever reason, and you are really struggling to justify it. And so you throw the, you know, my kids might use it out there. That was kind of outrageous, I think. Wow. I, I love that example. I will, let's move on to number two. And the second way that we know we're making an emotional financial decision with bad logic is excitement is your emotion. And I could say almost 100% of the time, if you are excited about something you're going to buy, any logic that you're putting behind why you're doing it is flawed. I mean, nobody gets excited about paper towel. <laughs> nobody. Or a new roof. That's the example that popped into my head. I, yeah, you know what? A new roof. I'm, I've, I've had two new roofs put on houses and I've never been excited <laughs> about one of them <laughs> ever. But they were wise purchases. You know, the justification was if I don't put a new roof on, my house will get destroyed. And, and that's solid logic, right? You're, you're actually preventing further expenses. But when you're buying a new iPhone because it's shiny and you're excited. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about stuff in life. Why not? Like, you know, you should have excitement in your life. But if that is your logic, like, I mean, if that's the emotion you feel when you're buying something, whatever logic you're backing up that decision with, it is, it is, it is probably really flawed and, and there might be some regret in your future. And when we talk of this, just I am sidestepping the conversation a little here. Can we we can make financial emotional decisions with good logic, though, right? Like that's that is a thing. Well, so my my, my putting my roof on, uh, on my house, there was no emotion in that decision at all. That was one hundred percent logic, right? That that roof had to get put on, and so I think the, the less emotion involved in your your financial decision the better the better it is going to be so I, I you shouldn't want to suppress your emotions in life in general emotions are a good thing but if they're influencing your spending that's when it falls apart let's move on to the third uh, item on our list of five and number three is that no decision is an emotional decision and this is one of my flaws so no decision is generally driven by the emotion of fear, fear of making the wrong decision. And quite often not making a decision is a decision. It is a decision in itself. So for instance, I, I'm kind of on the fence where, where they should sell my house, keep my house. I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to sell it, but I'm delaying putting on, on that decision. And as as I as I delay that decision because I'm a fear of making the wrong decision, I'm having some house maintenance expenses coming up. That you know, had I sold my house a year ago, I, I wouldn't have to deal with these expenses, this these maintenance issues. So my my fear emotion is actually costing me money. See, I love this one because as like justification mode, this this no decision is an emotional decision that comes in so it's kind of slithers its way in so sneakily. It is, and it, I I I don't know if you can think of another emotion other than fear that you could tie into. Um, into the no decision being an emotional decision probably maybe anxiety but i mean that also kind of is umbrellaed under fear as well because i think that's you're kind of feeling a, a mix of those emotions um maybe sadness there could be a lot of different mostly negative emotions i think that come into play when we don't make a decision and so this whole section is called uh you know your your emotional decision is going to have bad logic associated with it. so if you are you've you've come up with a reason not to make a decision. You know, I'm afraid of, of, of making the wrong decision and, and you'll come up with some logic, you know, you'll play out some scenarios as to, you know, if, if I, for my example, if I sell my house now, uh, you know, am I going to be, will I be able to stay in the housing market or will that, will, will houses keep going up and the housing market can get away from me? Like the, those are the kind of, um, the, Quite often, you're trying to control scenarios you have no control over. And I think this is one that maybe could affect a lot of our listeners too, just because we all know that a, a personal finance, making financial decisions, especially ones like selling our homes or, or buying cars, these are big things we're talking about. So 
just kind of being frozen in place and not making a decision is, is something that I'm sure we all face. I think most people, though, they'd be struggling with the other side. You know, they're, they're too quick to pull the trigger on decisions. And I know you and me are, uh, this one resonates with you and me the most. This number four, no decision is an emotional decision. But I think a, a, most people that I know, they don't suffer from this. They suffer from, you know, being too quick on the trigger with financial decisions. So definitely understanding your personal finance or even your personal um, characteristics I think are, are, are really, really beneficial in, in kind of navigating the emotional financial space. And remember, the, I said the 90% behavior, 10% math is a spectrum. So for it's it's not that, that equation for everybody. So somebody who's paralyzed by fear is an emotional decision. They, they might be, you know, closer to the, maybe down the spectrum, maybe they're 70%, 30%, right? That Depending on the emotions that kind of, come into your life more than others. Number four of five items on this list is that the sacrifice is not always obvious. So again, you know you're making an emotional decision with bad logic if you can't spot the sacrifice you're making. So if you are, here's that, this is the best one. So people will take a promotion. Say, say you're working in a corporation and you, you take a promotion as a manager and it obviously comes with a lot more money. So you, you, you quickly, your emotion says, oh, I could, you know, if I had all that extra money, my life would be so much better. I ain't going to take the promotion. If you don't look at the sacrifice, you know the sacrifice is going to be more responsibility, more stress, maybe more hours at work. If, if you don't, if you just get caught up in the emotion of more money and you don't, if you don't spot the sacrifice, every decision you make, financial decision, there is a sacrifice and the sacrifice could be something as much as opportunity cost. Meaning if I spent the money on this $65,000 truck, that means there's something else I can't do. And it, 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 that could be, you know, just looking at the opportunity cost alone. And it, it's like that cup, that family that bought the Airstream trailer, there was an opportunity cost of buying that. And it, it might be, uh, you know, maybe they, can't retire earlier or they, they can't do other kinds of travel. I mean, there's a lot of money tied up in one of the trailers. You might only use it four or five weeks a year and then it's going to sit. You know, you have to look at the sacrifice. Every financial decision, there has there is a sacrifice. And then take it one step further and think about the opportunity cost. And if if you can't if you can't spot the sacrifice, the logic you're using is flawed. And for this one specifically, it does require some long-term outlook. And I know when we are thinking about emotion, sometimes it is more short-term gratification. So this one is very, again, it, it's very sneaky in that it's not always apparent until, and maybe not even apparent, even when we approach it with a more logical mind. This one definitely involves some some additional thinking and, 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 and analyzing our, our decisions. But unless you're working with a limitless supply of money, Every financial decision, every financial spending decision you make, there is a sacrifice, an opportunity cost, something. And if your logic does not include those, it is absolutely flawed. The final way that we know we're making an emotional financial decision with bad logic is your decision reduces the control in your life. And so the obvious one is when you bring debt or more debt into your life, you have a relinquished control. So if, if you, my favorite one, if you, if you have a $1,200 truck <laughs> and we know what kind of truck that goes with, you, you have given up control, meaning you, you have to go to work or you have to have a job with a certain amount of income in order to sustain your life. So every time you bring debt into your life, you are relinquishing control. You are, you, your control is going to, and the example is just say you took a promotion as a manager. You have committed more time, more energy, more responsibility to your employer. You have given up control. You have given control over to your employer. I'm not saying you shouldn't take promotions, but just know when you do, you have, you have reduced the control in your life. So and again, I'm not saying that's a bad decision. I've taken promotions, but 
I've, I've realized I've given up some control in doing that. But if you, if you give up too much control or if you, so in that example, you give up control to, to become a manager, but in exchange you get more money. So maybe you, you end up having less stress in your home life because you have more money to solve problems, right? So maybe it's a zero sum game, but if you are, if you are taking the promotion, getting more money and going buying that $65,000 truck with your increased salary, then you've, you haven't gained anything. You've just given up control. And so your, your, your logic is flawed if you are giving up control. So at, at this point, I'm I'm looking at our emotions and I'm thinking, wow, they they can do a lot of of bad when when we pair that with bad logic. So if we do find ourselves um, making bad or regretful decisions, it may be a moment where we need to find a new approach to keep our emotions from getting the best of us. Yeah. So I found this list. It's um. I'm not a psychologist and I didn't study psychology, but I do enjoy this website. It's called psychologytoday.com. And I just love a lot of their articles. They're, I, I like to think of them almost as life hacks. And and this list um, it, from, from this specific article, we'll link it in the show notes. This one is called 10 Tips to Help You Take Control of Your Emotions. And again, there's 10 amazing ways. And after this, we're going to jump into the strategies for managing your emotional brain for personal finance. But first, these are just kind of general strategies, take control of our emotions. I, I just want to say this. So this list is, it's it's not personal finance specific. So psychology today, it's not, it's not about personal finance. But because I believe personal finance, again, is 90% behavior, 10% math, I believe if you can solve the psychology, like you could apply this to anything, you know, health, weight loss, finances. So that's when I read psychology today, I I think about it from a personal finance perspective, but you could apply this to any aspect of your life. So this is psychology for anything, but I'm thinking about it from a personal finance standpoint. Definitely. It's, it's so universal. So number one is power up. Just be aware of your emotions. So when you're making a decision, just be aware there is an at least one emotion at play and just observe it. Just, you know, don't squash it. Don't destroy it. Just know what emotion is, is driving this decision. What, what emotion am I feeling when I'm signing on the bottom line for the $65,000 truck? <laughs> well, you know, just say you were a contractor and you had a business. You're, you're buying this truck and the emotion is... I, I don't know what emotion, but but it, it, it might be excitement. It might be opportunity to grow your business. But if you're buying this truck to drive it around like a car, the emotion you might feel is 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 pride or um, status. You know, you just just acknowledge there's an emotion driving what you're doing. Acknowledge what emotion it is, and this will help you sort of keep them under control. So again, if 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 the emotion is excitement step back and reevaluate. I I absolutely love this point and it's really, really powerful in terms of the topic of the episode just because I think, like I said earlier, that we all believe that we should try our hardest to throw our monkey emotional brain out of the pa- out of the driver's seat and into the passenger seat to let that logical brain take over. So that that's kind of the disillusion I think that I was under and maybe you listening to this today were under as well. So I think it's so powerful to know that, you know what, just, just sit there and acknowledge that the monkey, the emotional brain is driving your car. But you know what you just said, if you could just take the emotional brain, the monkey, put it in the passenger seat and let the logical brain be in control how like we'd be all walking around like robots right it, it would be the most miserable existence you could imagine well, right? it, what what i imagine if that's a scenario so it's the time when we maybe had to get that new roof put on our our, our home and the logical brain i think for those times correct me if, if you think i'm wrong here trevor but i think the the logical brain would get in the driver's side and then the emotional brain would be a little bit maybe frustrated, upset, or, or feeling emotions about like, oh, I have to spend this money on this roof. And I think maybe that then 
is is how the only kind of times that those roles would get flipped. But generally, I think it's always the emotional brain driving the car. Do you know the emotion that made me put my roof on was worry. <laughs> it did that worry, worry that, and I got tired of worrying. You know, you want to stretch your roof out as long as you can, right? You don't want to get a roof any sooner than you need it. But the emotion that made me get my roof done was worry. So I stand corrected then. I, I, you definitely, uh, I that that kind of pops my belief then that I, I think I might even say this might be a stretch, but I might say that a hundred percent of the decisions we make are emotional. Yeah, like. If, if someone has said, okay, your roof will last 21 years in seven months, you know, someone could scientifically tell you, and I put it on the calendar, even if I knew it, it would last that long, you know, 21 years in seven months, I would start worrying about it at the 20 year mark. And when I got, it, you know, I, I get tired of every time I pull in my driveway, I look at my roof and say, oh, I wonder if it's time. You just get tired of worrying about it. And you just do it. So the, there's an emotion at play even with a roof. Wow. Okay. So I, that that is a kind of a mind blowing moment. Uh, so let's move, let's move on to number two. So power up. That's be aware of your emotions. Number two is rewind. So if you're on the the verge of buying an 85 inch TV, and, and you're in the big box store, and you're in line, and you're wheeling it up to the register, and and hopefully it's it's a long line, so you got this this opportunity to step back and say how did I get here? You know, how do I find myself with an 85 inch TV that I don't know if I can get through my front door and I'm about to buy it? Like what problem was I trying to solve when I, when I decided I needed an 85 inch TV? And, and by stepping back and saying, you know, quite often we, we have solutions to problems that don't exist. <laughs> and I'm guilty of this too, right? You know, I see something shiny and I, I try to think of a problem that could solve because I really like how shiny it is, right? So quite often the rewind, you know, how did I get here? You know, what, what was I doing when I decided, you know, a 55 inch TV wasn't big enough? <laughs> what, what went wrong? So that that is, um, I, I think, again, to keep your emotions in check and from getting the best of you, rewinding the scenario that led you to where you are at that moment can, can be powerful. So I think the important moments when these would, this, this step number two would come in handy was the moments when we didn't initially perceive anything to be wrong. Because if we're at the store buying a massive TV, that we know is a discretionary item, a very big, uh, just, just a want. It's not a need, it's a want. So is there any kind of other scenarios or is this kind of maybe the rewind step? Is this a step we kind of always have to force ourselves to take on regardless if we are in denial about how good of a decision this is? Well, here's a, a comical rewind is if you're in line on the, so the iPhone 11 is just being released. And if you like setting money on fire, I would highly recommend the iPhone 11 Pro <laughs> if, if you really like setting money on fire because that thing's outrageously expensive. And what's better than th two cameras, three, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like razor blades, one more camera. <laughs> but I, um, I think what's, here's a good time to do a rewind. You're standing in line to get the new phone and you're texting all your buddies on, guess what? Your iPhone <laughs> that you're getting a new phone. So clearly you are texting, you're using a phone to tell your friends you're getting a new phone. Chances are you don't need a new phone because you're using a phone to tell everybody you're getting a new phone. So there's an example where, uh, you know, you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. You know, you're, you're getting in line to get a new phone and you're telling everybody you're doing it with your existing phone. That's, I, that's a perfect example. And it really illustrates, I think, as number two rewind is, and, and as like all the other points in this list, Trevor, we're, we're speaking like it, of these uh, these items about emotions like they're easy to process easy to understand like it's easy to put that iphone 11 pro back on the shelf after picking it up we we, we but it, that's that may be one of the most challenging things we'll do that day or that week even it, it, it might be it might be challenging for us number three is fast forward and so this would be the the if you can't if rewinding it and saying how did it get here doesn't help then fast forward would be playing out the scenario into the future. So play out, you know, there might be three possible outcomes to to me 
buying this phone or buying this truck or buying this TV and playing out, you know, how my life is going to be different with this purchase, with this expense, or me taking this job as a manager, you know, play those out in, in a very, as vividly as you can to say, you know, is that where I want to go? And again, this is just trying to keep your emotions from getting the best you. You're not trying to squash your emotions. You're not trying to shut them down. You're just trying to avoid your emotions, you know, the monkey driving the car really fast. <laughs> and, and, and and with this point, it really, I think, heavily speaks to uh, point number four from the previous section that it kind of understanding the sacrifice, so making the sacrifice more obvious um, and, and also to understanding that making the decision, it, that decision eventually by looking forward really does reduce the control in our life. So I think that's powerful. I think this one could also be maybe a dangerous uh, point to, to look forward because any if there are any kind of uh, worried thoughts or f- thoughts from fear that, that this one could really take over um, and get out of control. But it, I think at, at, its, at its core, it's super, super valuable. Number four, so we've done power up, rewind, fast forward. Number four is zoom in. And so this is really peeling back the layers. And this this one really speaks to, I have a solution. I just need the problem, right? I, I have the solution. I want to buy this, this thing, this 85-inch TV. I just need the problem to go with it. Ooh, and, if, and if, a hammer if, to if your you TV. Start, <laughs> yeah. If you start peeling back, the layers, you, you start to maybe understand, you know, what, what it is you want in a larger TV, you know, the, in, in, if you start peeling back the layers, it's going to mean more time in front of the TV, which is going to mean less time being productive, less time reading, less time getting exercise. So you start peeling it back and you start understanding how this is going to impact your day-to-day life. Or even just another example in there, maybe you kind of you peel back enough layers that you realize that the reason you're getting the new TV is because you think it will help bring your family together a little bit more to spend time together in front of this even bigger TV. So an even better experience, an even more enjoyable experience for the whole family. So that could even be a layer that you peel all the way back to and, and maybe could, could solve with a, uh, a less expensive solution. No, it's usually because the 55-inch TVs look incredibly small in the big box store. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what drives the 85-inch TV purchase. It is true. Number five is monitor the volume. And this is really listening to your inner voice. You know, listening to your logical brain, listening to your support system, people who in your life are not emotionally involved in your decision, listening to those things. And like not just, quite often you want to suppress those things. When your emotions are, are driving the car, making the decisions, you, you know, anything that gets in the way of the, that, that emotion, you want to suppress. And it's really just opening your ears, opening your senses and listening. I love this point so much, just for two different reasons. One is that, I, I mean, Trevor, how often have you been kind of wrapped up in emotional decision, personal finance or not, and really kind of lost perspective? And we only realize that until after the fact when our emotions have maybe um, de-escalated or we've shifted our f- emotional focus to something else. And we look back and we're like, wow, we were we were really off base there. And this quite often happens in the upsell, right? You, you end up buying a car with warranties on top of warranties and upgrades on top of upgrades. And you got there and these salespeople, I mean, they're doing their job, but they're playing on your emotions. They're playing on, they're, they're selling you a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you've made a purchase you you didn't even tend to make. And the, the other thing with this point, you spoke to it a few moments earlier, was that, like you said, kind of really embrace that inner voice or support system of others. Because like you said, we can be a bull in a china shop sometimes just driving emotionally forward towards the the item or the experience of desire. So I, I, I love this point so much. Number six is adjust the brightness. And so this one is, you you can get tunnel vision on, on just looking at all the upsides you know, of your $65,000 truck, you know, you fit all the kids stuff in the back, you know, when you go camping, you have tons of space, but you're not going to think about the fuel mileage, you know, you're not, you're not looking at the negatives. So turning out the brightness is, is if you're focused on the positives, then you're, 
you, you've got the tunnel vision. I, I think for everything that's positive, there, there's a downside. I mean, there's everything, every, every purchase you make has trade-offs. And it's really looking at both sides of the equation. You know, your emotions will drive you to just, if, if you really want something, this is a, a common one. So if I really want something, I'll say to my wife, it's only twenty four ninety nine, And my wife will say, it's 25 bucks, right? And that's me just trying to, you know, spin it in my own mind that it's, it's not even $25, you know, and, and she will, you know, actually my wife's really good at this. She can put tax on any number in her head. So she will say, no, it's $26 and 86 cents. And I go, where'd you get that from, man? It's twenty four ninety nine. And then, you know, so she, she spins it, not that she's trying to talk me out of buying something, but she wants me to see the real price. And, 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 and quite often that's her saying, do you, do you really want this? Because this is how much it's going to cost you. That, that reminds me of an incredible saying from the minimalists, um, two incredible uh, gentlemen who have a podcast, a book, a documentary, um, but they have this saying, and I, Trevor, I, I don't know exactly how it goes. It's, it's the one about uh, 100%. Do you, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you don't buy something, so just say something's on sale for 50% off. If you don't buy it, it's 100% off. Yes, yes, that right there. I that is that reminds me of that example and it's very powerful. Number 7 of 10 is press pause. And this one is sleep on it. I mean, if if you're in a big box store and you got your big TV sitting there and you're thinking of buying it, you know, go home, sleep on it, come back. If the same emotions are at play. Chances are you really want it, buy it. You know, but but give yourself a a cooling off period. I like that. And I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that you bad logic won't be at play, even if you come back and you're still enticed by it. It's just a, a moment to kind of maybe reframe the emotions that are at play. Number eight is stop. Yeah. So if you get down the road of, of, of making a bad financial decision, you can stop sort of, okay, there's some things you, 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 you've you go too far and, and you, there's a point of no return, but you can mitigate your losses. You can stop. So this really happens. So somebody I know, they bought a, uh, a one-year-old used car. So it was like a, it was a 2019 actually, and it's 2019 right now, but it was used. It was like barely used. Somebody bought it and drove it for six months and, and sold it. So the, she, she, she bought this, this used car and she, traded she traded in her old car for this new used car and she had it for 24 hours and i didn't realize this but car lots have this this uh, a lot of them have this 30 day you can return the car no questions asked and and get your in get your money back she, so she was able to get her old used car back too so she was able to completely undo this car purchase and get her because they hadn't sold her old, old car yet. So in 24 hours, she went from driving a 2019 car back to driving her 10 year old car. So that to me, that is somebody who stopped big time. So their emotions clearly got the best of them. They bought a car they couldn't afford. 24 hours later, they were driving their old car again. I love that. That's a great example. And, and it really highlights the importance of Again, not letting our emotions take control, but also looking for areas that maybe you can mitigate damage when you do make a decision. I mean, Trevor, do you ever go into a decision kind of looking for the escape hatch, just the undo button? Is that a thing that you should ever go into a decision with in mind? Uh, I don't think so. You know, one time I had a phone call from a cable company and uh, I got all <laughs> worked up and wound up and, and ended up with a, I, I had a really weak moment. And ended up with this high-end cable package, and I don't even watch a lot of TV. I don't, and I, I don't can't. I was having the weakest moment ever, and I, there was a really sharp salesperson on the phone. And for some reason, you know, I, I I bought into this whole thing, and I woke up the next morning, and I was just I felt terrible. And my wife said, "What's wrong?" And I go, "I I, I don't want the cable package. I want out." Okay, but it's too late. She goes, "No, it's not." She phoned them up and said, you know, cancel that. We don't want it. And it was done. So uh, it's happened to me. I, I, 
it was quite a few years ago, but I, I was having a really weak moment, like super weak moment. Like I, it was so uncharacteristic of me. And my wife, when I said, Hey, I got a really good deal on a cable package. <laughs> she said, what do you, we don't watch TV. What are you doing? And, and I, I, I said, well, I think I might, you know, it's too good of a deal to pass up. And anyway, I got out <laughs> of it. So I was able to mitigate my losses. Number nine is turn off. And the key to this one is you need to change your environment. You can't be in Best Buy with all the noise and all the TVs and and reevaluate your decision. That that's why, you know, the sleep on it. You need to you need to change environments and and see if the same emotions are at play. And if they are, then go buy your TV. And last but not least is recharge. And you can get you can be in a uh, sort of a decision fatigue where you just you just get tired of making decisions and quite often this this happens like say you had a, a a bad week at work where you were just making agonizing decision after agonizing decision well you've only got so much decision making bandwidth so if you go into your personal life after just a week of of just you know draining decision making and then you're you're faced with another decision you might just say i just go with it and, and it it Again, if, if you're decision fatigued, you, you will make bad decisions. So those are the 10 tips to help you take control of your emotions from psychologytoday.com. We will have this article linked in our show notes. Before we end the show, we are going to dive into Trevor's five strategies for managing your emotional brain for personal finance. So the last list, like Trevor was saying, was a very kind of general list about emotions that could be applied to personal finance. But this list, however, is very focused in on uh, emotional brain for personal finances specifically. And this is the money part of the show. So this is, again, you can't turn emotions off. You'll just be a robot. But this is a strategies for managing your emotional brain, keeping it from getting the better of you. I like that. The emphasis on managing. So number one is acknowledge your emotion. So we talked about this in the psychology today piece. There's always an emotion at play. If you can't identify the emotion, if you can't say, you know, I'm doing this out of fear or I'm doing this for excitement or I'm doing this for thrill or I'm doing this out of anger. If you can't identify the emotion that's at play, then you you should stop. Because you, if you don't even know what emotion's driving this, and I'm not saying, again, your emotions are going to make the decisions, but if you can't even, if you don't, if you can't acknowledge the emotion that's making you do this, then you are, whatever logic you've got, it is it is completely flawed. And with this point, there's never if you so pretend you do acknowledge that it's happiness or sadness or if you're pretend you do acknowledge the emotion that's not going to stop you in your tracks from making your decision right that's just going to it's just simply an acknowledgement process well i think it all it will make you reevaluate for sure but it will i think if you acknowledge the emotion you just say i'm doing this to make me happy then you know i'm doing this and it makes me feel happy then when your logic is is saying, and it's for the kids, you know, they're really going to enjoy this, then, you know, maybe those two things make sense together, right? Doing something for your kids will make you happy, right? So you're going to spend money, you're going to take your kids to Disney, you're going to enjoy watching your kids enjoy Disney. So if happiness, if it kind of resonates, but if you say, I'm buying the $65,000 truck, it's for the kids, (laughs) It's, it's, your kids don't care what they drive around in. They really don't. So you're, you, you can't use the same logic that you're doing Disney as you're, you are for buying the truck or that couple I said was buying the Airstream. Trust me, your five-year-old doesn't care what they're sleeping in. They just want to be out in, in, at the beach or camping. They just want to be camping. They don't care if it's in an Airstream. So it just whatever emotion, make sure it kind of logic checks with your logic, right? So happiness, and I'm doing it for my kids, that makes sense. You know, I mean, Disney, and, and I'm doing it for my kids, I, I, I can get behind that. Uh, I'm buying a $65 truck for my kids so, so I can get the stroller in the, in the back. You know, that, that's not, your kids don't care how your stroller got there. They just want to know their stroller's there. I, I, I love that. So there's, and again, I think 
I, I ask only my question previously just because I know sometimes we could be searching for, oh, when I feel emotion X, that means I'm green lights, good to go to make that decision. But as you're saying, the, the process is a little bit more complex than that. And it is a situation by situation uh, basis. Number two is put the problem in front of the solution. So, and I said this earlier, we often, we are running around with tons of solutions. <laughs> I got a solution to everything, right? I, I can buy my way out of, you know, and quite often there isn't a real problem. So here's a common one. I, I have, you know, I'm out at Home Depot and I'm looking at a uh, $2,600 double wide refrigerator, stainless steel fridge. And I start to figure out, we say, what problem am I trying to solve with this $2,600 fridge? Well, you know, I've got a stainless steel dishwasher, I've got a stainless steel stove, and I've got a white fridge. You know, that's the problem I'm trying to solve. <laughs> no, okay, just say you're trying to solve that problem, right? Just say cosmetic is good. Does it need to be a $2,600 fridge to solve that problem? Probably not, right? There's a cheaper fridge that'll solve that. I haven't bought a fridge in a while, but there, I'll bet you there's a $1,200 fridge that would solve that problem. So if you figure out the problem you're trying to, like put the problem out there. Like, so when you're at Home Depot, the solution is a $2,600 fridge. I guarantee you, you weren't trying to, you're solving more more things than you have problems. So, I mean, I, I was laughing earlier because Trevor did just buy a new dishwasher and it's it's shiny. It's really, really shiny. So that's why I, I was picturing you actually standing in front of the fridges as you're saying that. But I, I do agree with you. If you are standing in front of this extra large fridge, you could you, and you could say, oh, I could store more, but it's just you and your wife. I mean, that's, again, a, a solution that um, you really don't have a problem for. Now, let's just say you're, you're going to sell your house and, and you think, well, matching appliances would go a long way in selling my house. So again, you don't need a $2,600 fridge to solve that problem. Just if, if that was the problem you're trying to solve, you, you, you have to really evaluate the problem. And, and for that specific scenario, just to carry that one through, how do you know that maybe fear's not talking in that specific scenario? Well, I don't know if fear... Fear of not selling your house for having matching appliances. Like it's, it's, it's kind of com complex. So how, how far do you carry um, this, this through? Well, I think you would end up, you know, your house might sell for less money, but it's still going to sell. It, it's not like you can't, you know, the new buyer couldn't change that appliance out. You just might get less money for your house. So it, it becomes a, you know, if you want to, you could start to apply logic to it. Do I really think I could get another $1,200 for my house if I put a new fridge in it? or $2,600 for my house if I put a $2,600 fridge in it. That's, it's, that's so subjective. No, I don't even know if you could measure that. Number three is use your support system. And this is where you involve people who, and this is the important part, that, that genuinely care about you who are not emotionally involved. And this quite often, your parents do not count because they are emotionally involved. So... If your parents come to you and, and if you go to your parents and say, hey, I'm thinking about taking this promotion, what do you think? Your parents at a subconscious level, you know, if, 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 you're, if you fail and just say you end up getting fired and your parents have to come to your support financially, they may want you to be more cautious. And again, this is all happening very subconsciously because your, your, your parents' emotions are involved in this decision. So... So find people that care about you, but are not emotionally involved. So that that's the support system you're looking for. And if they can get behind your logic, then it's probably not flawed. Number four is write it down or say it out loud. And this one is magical. <laughs> Utterly magical. You speak highly of this point all the time. Yes. If you write it down, I love writing it down and reading it back out loud. And if you can, if it, if it can make, because you can get stuff rattling around your head all day long. And, but when you say something out loud, like $1,200 truck payment, that's not too much. You know, if, if you say that out loud, right, it, it starts to not make sense. And then if somebody heard you say that, they might say, that's crazy, <laughs> right? But just you saying it out loud to yourself, again, don't, don't just let it rattle around in your head. Say the words out loud, write them down and then read them back to yourself. And you, the thing about writing it down and reading it is a different part of your brain is engaged. 
when you have to read it. And your emotions get, they're still there, but they, they take a little bit of a back seat because your, your logical brain has to read this and say it. And you, you start to evaluate it differently. One of the most effective ways to study, if this is not an educational podcast, but is to, you could read all day long, but if you write out really important things that you think you need to remember for a test, if you write them out and then read those notes aloud, oh my God, the retention is 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 unbelievable. It's so, so writing, powerful that, so, yeah. So writing it down engages a different part of the brain, right? So you, you've, you've got the logical brain working. And then if you read those notes, so say you write down, you know, a paragraph that you think is really important to a test. And then there's three or four sentences that are really important. If you read those out loud, you won't, it's, it's, it is mind boggling how your brain just slots that in and just retains it for an incredible amount of time. So here's one. Think of, of a book. I, so I've read Stephen King books. I wish I could unread because, <laughs> because I can't forget the scenes that he paints but I've watched movies, Stephen King movies, and I, I, I can't even remember. Like, I'll see that title. Like, did I see that movie? I can't even remember if I saw that movie. But I, I know I read those books. In fact, I go into a bookstore and I'm, I'm, I'm haunted by some of those books. I, I can't even walk past them, you know? I, I, so reading something, writing it down, engages a different part of the brain. It, it's a good way of seeing if your logic is sound. The last item on this list of strategies for managing your emotional brain for personal finances is half a value system. And I, we've done that. We've talked about this before, but this is, this is the, the best one for managing your emotions without question. So a value system is, and I, I've talked about mine. So here's a value I have. I don't buy new cars. So when I'm at a dealership looking at used cars and they realize I'm going to pay cash, they say, holy smokes, that's a great down payment on this beautiful 2020, you know, brand new SUV. You know, you, you could have, you could be in this thing uh, with, with just small payments for what you, you, you were going to pay for that used one. And I can say, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, my emotions might say, wow, that sure is shiny. <laughs> I think I might do that. Right. But my emotion, I have a value system. I don't buy new cars. The decision has been pre-made. I don't, I don't even have to entertain it. Like this guy might as well be speaking por- Portuguese. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't buy new cars. Like it's not something I do. Here's something else I don't do. I don't, I don't order alcoholic beverages when I'm in a restaurant eating a meal. I, I just don't do it. The, eating a meal in a restaurant is entertaining enough for me. I don't bring alcohol into that. So when they bring a wine list or, you know, the, the, the happy hour special on drinks, I, I don't, it's, it's not like I have to entertain that. I, I just don't do that. I'm not, it, it's just a value system. I'm not judging people that do. It just, it's my value system. So Jace, he was on our podcast. He did an episode. We, he does our thrifting episode with us. We're going to be having a new one coming out soon. He, he buys a, uh, used clothes. He doesn't buy new clothes. He just, he just doesn't buy new clothes. So if he's walking through a mall and sees a real, uh, you know, a beautiful shirt, it, it means nothing to him because he doesn't buy new clothes. It's just not something he does. He buys in thrift stores. So that's his value system. He's never going to be seduced by a fancy article of clothing in a mall. So the value system, it, it, your, your emotions don't get a place in that. They, they, there's no place. The, the decision's been pre-made with sound logic and you no longer have to worry about that. It, it, your emotions have no control over that outcome. That is that is definitely the most powerful item on that list. I, I absolutely love, I love the value system. So again, that was strategies for managing your emotional brain for personal finance. It brings us to the end of today's episode. We talked about how to know when you are making an emotional financial decision with bad logic. And we, then we talked about 10 tips to help you take control of your emotions. Thank you so much for being here with us for today's episode on your emotional brain is in control and, and how you can work with your emotional brain to, to make sound uh, financial decisions. Thank you for being with us and we can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.